Hello, this is Tommy Peeler, and welcome to Carefully Examining the Text. We have been studying the Psalms together, and today we find ourselves in Psalm 38. Psalm 38. Let me read the words of this psalm. A psalm of David, a memorial. O Lord, rebuke me not in your wrath, and chasten me not in your burning anger. For your arrows have sunk deep into me, and your hands have pressed down on me. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities have gone over my head as a heavy burden. They weigh too much for me. My wounds grow foul and fester because of my folly. I am bent over and greatly bowed down. I go mourning all day long. For my loins are filled with burning, and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am benumbed and badly crushed. I groan because of the agitation of my heart. Lord, all my desire is before you, and my sign is not hidden from you. My heart throbs, my strength fails me, and the light of my eyes, even that has gone from me. My loved ones and my friends stand aloof from my plague, and my kinsmen stand afar off. Those who seek my life lay snares for me, and those who seek to injure me threaten destruction. And they devise treachery all day long, but I, like a deaf man, do not hear. I, like a mute man, do not open my mouth. Yes, I am like a man who does not hear, and in whose mouth are no arguments. For I hope in you, O Lord. You will answer, O Lord my God. For I said, May they not rejoice over me, who when my foot slips would magnify themselves against me. For I am ready to fall, and my sorrow is continually before me. For I confess my iniquity, I am full of anxiety because of my sin. But my enemies are vigorous and strong, and many are those who hate me wrongfully. And those who repay evil for good, they oppose me, because I follow what is good. Do not forsake me, O Lord. O my God, do not be far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord my salvation. That is a powerful psalm. And I want you to know that what we do in our podcast is inadequate to thoroughly cover Psalm 38. But let's say a few words and emphasize a few themes that may help us. Psalm 38 has been classed as a penitential psalm where a person is asking God's forgiveness and God's compassion. Psalm 6 and 32 were also placed in that category. And Psalm 38 opens much as Psalm 6 does. It says, O Lord, rebuke me not in your wrath, and chasten me not in your burning anger. He knows that he deserves judgment. That will become plain later in the psalm. But he asks God, please, show me mercy in the midst of it. Do not rebuke me in wrath. 
Do not chasten me in anger. He says in verse 2, Your arrows have sunk down into me, and your hand has pressed down on me. There's no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. Now, there's so many words that we could emphasize, but I want you to notice how frequently in Psalm 38 that David refers to his illness. He refers to his pain. Sometimes his pain is described in physical terms. Sometimes his pain is described in emotional terms. Sometimes it sounds very psychological. But but he's emphasizing that his pain is deep. There is no soundness in his flesh in verse 3. And that same phrase is used in verse 7, where the text says, There is no soundness in my flesh. That word for soundness is only used four times in the Old Testament, and two of them we just read, Psalm 38 verse 3 and Psalm 38 verse 7. Listen to another time that phrase is used. It's used in Isaiah, Isaiah 1 and verse 6. And in Isaiah 1 and verse 6, the Bible says the whole head is sick and the whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is nothing sound in it, only bruises, welts, and raw flesh, not pressed out or bandaged, not softened with oil. The idea in Psalm 38 and the idea in Isaiah 1-6 is a person who has no healthy part on their body. Every part is bruised. Every part is diseased. Every part is hurting. Is that literal or is that figurative? Whatever David is seeking to point out, the depth of his physical and emotional pain Notice in verse 5, he says, My wounds grow foul. Though that word, grow foul, was used to describe the Nile after it was turned to blood and all the fish that were in it died in Exodus chapter 7. It was used in Exodus 8 to talk about how all the frogs died. And again, the land was stinking. The land grew foul. It's used to talk in Exodus 16 of the manna that was kept until the next day. It would breed worms and grow foul. So literally, it seems, or if he is speaking literally, but the word carries with it the idea of someone's wounds that smell bad. They grow foul, and they fester. They are full of infection. His body is racked with pain. And one of the things that makes his pain so profound is he knows he's brought this on by his own sin. He states that in verse 3. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There's no health in my bones because of my sin. Because of my sin. In verse 
four. All my iniquities are gone over my head. It is as if he is drowning underneath the weight of his own iniquities, his own sins. Ezra 9 verse 6 uses a similar expression when it talks about that our sin reaches into the heavens. In verse 7, he said that when these wounds have grown foul and fester, it is because of my folly. All of these passages connect David's suffering to his sin. Verse 18, he says, I confess my iniquity. I am full of anxiety because of my sin. No, friend, I'm not trying to say that every time a person suffers that it's the result of sin. The book of Job shows us that that's not true. But the rest of the Bible shows it would be just as great a mistake to say that sin and suffering are never connected. For David clearly connects it in this particular psalm. In verse 3, in verse 4, in verse 5, and in verse 18, he connects his intense pain, his profound suffering, and his emotional anguish. He connects it to the depth of his sin, his iniquity, and his folly. And he's begging God, don't rebuke me. Don't rebuke me in your anger. And his enemies have simply added to all of his troubles. Isn't his emotional pain, isn't, aren't his physical problems enough? But his enemies are adding to his pain. In verse 12, they seek my life and they're laying snares for me. They are like hunters who are constantly laying traps in my path. They seek to injure me, and they threaten destruction. They devise treachery all day long. Now, I'm reading from verse 12. In verse 12, the word translated devise, they devise treachery. Treachery is literally the word speak. They speak treachery. Now, one of the reasons that I wanted to emphasize that is because the enemy speaking evil things of him and speaking treachery and plotting against him. This is contrasted with his silence in verses 13 and 14. He describes himself like a deaf man that doesn't hear and like a mute man that doesn't open his mouth. His enemies have plenty to say in their plots against him. He has nothing to say in his defense. His enemies are many, and his enemies are strong. Look at what verse 19 says. But my enemies are vigorous and strong, and many are those who hate me wrongfully. His suffering is intense. His sins are great. He seems like he's going to drown under their weight. And his enemies are strong. They are many. And they are utterly ruthless. Now, if this is your condition, if this is your problem, 
you're listening to the right place. Not because we perfectly expound this psalm, but because this psalm, our podcast is pointing you to this psalm and the God who can give you strength. God is one who knows all of his problems, verse 9. God knows his desire, and his sign is not hidden before him. God knows his problems, and God is his hope. In verse 15, For I hope in you, O God. You will answer, O Lord my God. He was silent before his accusers, but he asked God to speak in his behalf. And God is his salvation In verse 22, make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. I want you to notice a couple of interesting word plays within Psalm 38. In Psalm 38, verse 10, my heart throbs, my strength fails me. My heart throbs. My strength fails me. Now, the word fails used there in Psalm 38.10 in the Greek in the Hebrew text is used again when we get to verse 21. In verse 21, do not forsake me, O Lord. The word forsake, translated forsake in verse 21, is the same Hebrew word translated fail. In verse 10, in verse 10, David's strength fails, but he asks God not to fail him. His strength has forsaken him, but he asks God not to forsake him. God's strength is our only hope when our strength is gone. When other helpers fail and comfort flees, help of the helpless, oh, abide with me. But another interesting word is used in verse 11. A couple of interesting words in verse 11. The Bible says, my kinsmen stand afar off. David has recognized in verse 11 that in the midst of his pain, his friends are fewer than he thought he had. He says, my loved ones and my friends stand aloof from my plague, and my kinsmen stand afar off. His loved ones and his friends stand far away, and his kinsmen. The word translated kinsmen in verse 11 literally means those who draw near. It carries that idea. And that word about those who draw near, they are actually standing far away. Oh, the irony of verse 11, those who draw near are standing far away. But I wanted to point out that while his most sure sources of human comfort have failed him, God is not. The word that is translated afar off in verse 11 is used again in verse 21 And David pleads, O my God, do not be far from me. His most dependable and reliable sources of strength have failed, verse 11. But he asked God that he not fail. Yes, God will be there when our strength fails, when our strength forsakes us. And God will be there 
when our closest friends desert us. Paul said at my first defense, no one stood with me, but the Lord stood by me. 2 Timothy 4, verses 16 and 17. What we've tried to do in the midst of studying these psalms is to see how Jesus fulfills these psalms. How Jesus fulfills the words of these various psalms. And truly, Jesus fulfills the experience of the innocent or righteous sufferer of Psalm 38. We just talked about how in Psalm 38, verse 11, this writer finds out in times of trouble that his friends are not as many as he thought. The Bible says, My loved ones and my friends stand aloof from my plague, and my kinsmen stand afar off. You remember how after Jesus is arrested, all his disciples forsake him and flee. And the Bible tells us Peter stood afar off. You read those words in Matthew 26, in verses 55 and 56, in verse 58 how they were standing aloof from Jesus. Oh yes, Jesus experienced the same suffering that the writer of Psalm 38 experienced. In his moment of suffering and pain, he found that his friends forsook him. Jesus' emotional pain was intense. His physical suffering was great. I stated earlier, I don't know if it would be figurative or literal when the psalmist writes in verse 3 and in verse 7, there is no soundness in my flesh. But after Jesus was scourged and after enduring one of the most horrible forms of torture and death the world has ever known in crucifixion, Jesus could say there is no soundness in his flesh. From the top of his head to the sole of his foot, there was no sound portion in him. What the writer of Psalm 38 may have experienced figuratively, Jesus experiences literally. The Bible says in verse 6 that he goes mourning all day. He is a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief as Isaiah 53 says. And the word for wounds in verse 5 of Psalm 38, my wounds grow foul and fester. It's only used seven times in the Old Testament, but one of them in is Isaiah 53 verse 5, by his wounds we are healed. So Jesus experiences the suffering of Psalm 38. Jesus went through the same kind of things that he did. And while his enemies plotted to take away his life, and Jesus experienced the same, Jesus was silent before them. As verse 13 says, But I, like a deaf man, do not hear, and I, like a mute, do not open my mouth. You remember when Jesus stood before Pilate in Matthew 27, in verses 11 through 14, that the Bible tells us that the chief priest and the uh, leaders of the people, the chief priests and the elders, made many accusations against Jesus, but he did not answer. 
And Pilate says, do you not hear how many things they testify against you? He is like a deaf man, unable to hear. And after Pilate asked this, still it says of Jesus in Matthew 27 verse 14, that he did not answer him with regard to even a single charge. So the governor was amazed. He is like a deaf man who does not hear and like a mute man who does not speak. Jesus was led as a lamb to the slaughter, as sheep before his shears is dumb, so he does not open his mouth. And just as this psalmist in Psalm 38 verse 20 was repaid evil for all the good he did, there's no one that better fits that description than Jesus. Jesus experienced the things that the innocent sufferer of Psalm 38 experienced. But I will say there's a striking contrast between Jesus and the writer of Psalm 38. Jesus' experiences are not because of his sins. David's experiences were because of his sin, as he stated at least four times in the psalm, but not the experiences of Jesus. No, Jesus was totally innocent. Jesus experienced the sufferings of the writer of Psalm 38 without the guilt of the writer of Psalm 38. And just as verse 4 tells us, My iniquities are gone over my head as a heavy burden. They weigh too much for me. David said his sins are a burden too heavy to carry. But Jesus is the one who can carry that burden. As Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, beginning with verse 28, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in spirit, and you shall find rest unto your souls. All that are burdened by sin need to turn to him. Are you weary and heavy laden? Are you carrying a heavy burden of sin? If you are, Jesus is a place to look for forgiveness. Jesus is the one who can forgive your every sin. In New Testament times, we find that people who were convinced of their sin repented and acknowledged their guilt and were baptized into Christ for remission of their sins. Acts 2.38 We invite you to do the same. If we can help you, we'd love to do so. May God continue to bless you.